Thanks for tuning in. This is Katie Kerwin, your host of Charlie the Chicken Mushroom podcast. And I'm here today um, sitting out on the beautiful ranch here in Missoula, Montana with Bart Morris um, from Oxbow Cattle Company. And I'm super excited to have this discussion about um, his ranch, his, his ideas about local ranching and small farm ranching, um, and just the cattle industry in general. And the problems we're seeing, the solutions he's providing, and um, just to get everybody a little bit more information about how they can contribute to um, this life cycle on the ranch here and how we can make it more of a sustainable product for everybody. So thank you, Bart, for joining us. Um, first, I just wanted to have you introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about your cows, the ranch, and um, you know the operation that you're running here. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. Um, my name is Bart Morris. I own Oxbow Cattle Company with my wife, Wendy Morris. Um, we have one employee. Her name is Caroline Caldwell, and um, we run around 300 to 350 head of cows on about 5,000 acres here right next to Missoula. Um, and all the land is pretty much on conservation easements, so it's going to be here for, for a day or two. Nice. And so... On your website, I was reading about the, the, the cows that you have, and there's a particular breed that you like to use because, um, and you can correct me because I might butcher all this information, but that's why we're here. Um, they grow a little differently, and they're less, you know, harmful on the terrain. And so can you talk a little bit about, yes, the breed of the cow and, and why it's beneficial for not only the meat that you're producing, but also just the production in general and how that affects your operation? You bet. Well, you know, breed doesn't matter as much to us as the individual cow. And what we're looking for is is a pre, um, pre-1970s genetics, which most of the genetics nowadays are for um, feedlot cattle, which are going to be these larger animals that are less efficient on grass. They're, um, they're designed to grow fast and be large in these confined areas when they can be fed all the energy and protein they need. What, we, what we're after is a smaller animal that um, uses the land more efficiently, is kinder to the land, and um, just works with mother nature better. And it's usually a true like a thousand pound cow and um, mother cow and and that that can efficiently move through the country and and can convert grass to protein at a level that these other genetics they can't and they're usually older animal older genetics and some of these folks that haven't went with the fad chasing these um these these new fads of bigger production and that but they've stuck with what worked on the land before we before we Kind of. kind of messed everything up yeah. and got too involved. Well, I feel like, too, as a cook and somebody who's been in the restaurant industry for a while, it, it was a fad because they had started creating these cows that were, you know, the marbling and the meat and um, just super fatty. And everybody was like, fat is flavor, here we go. And I find that with, like, a grass-finished product, it's a little bit leaner of a product. But the flavor, to me, is better. But I think, you know, the marketing of meat... Um, and you know, the big steakhouse boom and all these prime steakhouses. My dad's a product of like being, sorry, dad, but he's out there, you know, in the eighties and the nineties, you know, entertaining at all these steakhouses and it was like bigger is better, you know, but we want to get back to the more natural stuff. 
Do you find that that's ever a conversation with people saying, oh, we want more fat, like, content in your beef, or... Yeah, I mean, and what we strive for is we want a steak to look like a steak, kind of what you're talking, and, and that's these smaller animals, that's, they can produce, even though it's just on grass, when they're covering miles to graze, they're not just sitting in a little pen um, having it delivered to them every day, they're actually having to go forage it. These animals are efficient enough, and they're designed where they can, and they can make it marble, make it marbled up. and. And their diets are extremely complex here. I mean, I don't know how many different species of grass, forbs, and legumes, as well as um, browse that our animals um, eat, but it's super complex. And you, you taste that in the flavor. It's a different deal. The fat, the fat on our beef looks different than a grain-finished beef. Like the grain-finished beef are gonna be these beautiful white steaks. Ours is gonna have a little tinge of orange or yellow to it, which may turn people off, but that's the actual minerals and vitamins. That's actual beta carotene you can see in it. Mm -hmm. The other, the other's void of it. Ours has it. It was somebody kind of put it to me in a, in a funny way one time where it was like, you know, think of, you know, they're, they're feeding the big livestock lots are feeding a lot of corn and grain just to fatten these cows up. And then you've got the, just the American human body who's overweight and be, being fed corn and grain too and it does the same thing to us as it does to the cows so when you think about you know a human diet versus a, a cattle diet it's it's kind of that same thing um and they produce the same results right so totally being i guess being vegan is is hip with the cattle but not for us yeah i still like the yes. beef um i did want to talk about the land and so a lot of what my podcast wants to touch on is kind of that full circle soil health how that affects you know your crops as far as you know your crop is cattle but you rely heavily on grass to survive so if they're only eating grass my question is like have you seen the land change over the years that you've been here in positive negative ways have you seen the water change um i'm really interested to know you know, is this a sustainable way of, of farming for the future, for, for ranching in the future, with all the things that are happening in our world? Um, you know, all the construction that's moving in, all the things that are changing. How has it affected you guys? Have you seen anything? Uh, well, our, our belief system is we have to put the land first because it is, if we, it, it goes all the way to the soil for us. If we don't take care of the soil, um, we can't have cows because if we don't take care of the soil, it doesn't grow the grass that feed our cows. It's as simple as that. It's super complex, but as simple as that. And we we believe in, you know, the term was sustainable, sustainable now it's regenerative. Mm -hmm. And um, we believe in, in one, we have to be sustainable, and that starts with the soil and the land. We also have to be economically sustainable as well as ecological. But um, we also believe in regenerative agriculture. And what I the best way I can define regenerative agriculture is is in our past what we've done and it's 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 not because we were trying it's just the way it was but like we've we've mined from the land regenerative is means we better be leaving it better than when we got here and that is our number one goal here and we make mistakes there's no doubt about it because we're always changing evolving trying to work with mother nature and we take a step back but in the years that we've been doing this I'm seeing um, 
big strides in the giving back way. Like we're we're changing the landscape for the better for for wildlife, for our cattle, for our um, for all the people that use it. Um, the science shows the way we graze our animals that um, we're sinking carbon instead of just releasing it to the atmosphere. Um, by and and I'm a true believer to to save planet Earth. We're going to do it through the mouth of a cow, or or a large um, ruminant. And um, can you expand on that? Like, I mean, I know you just were talking about it, but like, well, I mean, because a lot of people would say the mouth of the cow is what's creating the problem because they're burping up all the methane. So I love how you put that. So I'd love to know uh, how we can reverse everybody's thinking. Like or not I, reverse their thinking, but enlighten them. Yeah. Well, um, as one of my friends said, is um, we're saving, we're saving the earth one bite at a time with our cows. And and where I'm going with that is, yeah, if I was just the conventional model where I shipped my calves off, they went to a feedlot, and all the corn and grains and sugars were imported in, my carbon footprint would be way larger than what I was sinking at my ranch at home but what we're doing here is our cows once they're born here or they or um, come here they never leave and they don't and their job from that day forward is to um, increase the biomass and sink carbon in our land here because what we're trying to do is we're trying to build organic um, matter in the soil which is is sinking carbon and the way we do that, I mean, it it's complex, but Mother Nature's got it figured out. Um, we're just the ones messing it up, mm -hmm. and um, she, the way she has it figured out is is these. If we take a cow in, I'm trying to going to try to simplify this. We take a cow in and we we graze an area. Um, the key is we get out of there. We impact that area and we impact that area uniformly, so all plants are um, are impacted the same then we get out of that area and we let it rest and recover and we don't come back to that same area until it is rested and recovered and when it's resting and recovering what it's doing is it's taking these amazing living creatures with these solar panels these plants and what they're doing is they're when we so when a cow takes a bite of the um, grass on top the root system below mirrors that so if she takes a if she takes half that plant on top well, half that root system is going to die off and feed out into the um, into the soil. Well, what that does is that that feeds the microbes and that, and that that's the carbon sinking in action. Well, if we take another bite of that plant, um, we do the same thing, and eventually, if we keep biting that plant, um, we kill that plant, and um, and we're actually going the wrong way. But what happens better is if we take that one bite, we take 50%, and then we get out of there, and then we let that plant go grow back. What that plant does is that plant, it stimulates it. It gets more vigorous, and it grows bigger and, and fuller, and it even grows more roots. And, Sorry to interrupt, yeah. but some I was watching something, and it was like, and it was, you know, a local rancher kind of explaining the same thing. And he was saying that, you know, the cows just know where to eat the grass. Like, they don't eat it too. I don't mean, maybe he was making this up. You tell me. But, like, they... They don't bite too short and they don't bite too tall. Like they, they graze and they're ripping the grass and tearing the grass, like you said, 
to that like regenerative place so that they can come back to it. Like they naturally know. I mean, again, I don't know if that's true. Have you heard that? Oh, totally. I mean, the other way to look at it is, um, would you want to eat with your nose right next to where you go to the bathroom? <laughs> and that is no. And that's the same for a cow. I mean, the, the other piece of this regenerative aspect is the urine and the manure. Like 85% of what goes in the mouth of a cow comes out the back end. So you're so 15% of that is captured in the cow, and then 85% goes back to Mother Earth, and it comes back in a in the most readily usable um, fertilizer there is um, through their urine and manure. And back to what you're saying is like if a cow um, goes to the bathroom on the ground, she doesn't want to be eating right next to it. So like we force animals to eat down next to the soil. Mm -hmm. um, that's not their design. They don't yeah. want to do that. That's also how they get um, worms and, and um, parasites and that. They have to get in contact with the soil. If they're grazing up high and we give them that opportunity to graze like they normally would, um, just like that gentleman was saying, is they don't want to eat down next to their cow pie and that or sort around it. But, you know, some places force that. Yeah. So, you, I mean, you're naturally using those, the pro, like the byproduct, the poop of the cow to fertilize the land and then rotate the cows through to, to really simplify that. Yes. And so, you know, the poop's not the problem when people think, I mean, it, it's not the problem here, but like in, in livestock operations, that becomes a big problem because there's nowhere for people to put it and for it to go. And so, I mean, hence, again, the the reason we should be supporting more local ranches. And I'm, I'm wondering... I think a lot of people want to and have this really romantic idea of what we're doing here in, in Missoula, Montana. Um, but if they're living in New York City or they're living in Boston, you know, how do they get local beef products? Um, do you have any recommendations for for the city slicker who wants to support the local ranch? You bet. Well, and I guess I'm a believer that everything everything that's worth doing takes a little more effort you know and and that goes and what i i believe is if you follow the marketing ploys whether it's labels such as organic or natural or whatever you're just going to fall into um people that are trying to make a buck off of you uh, i believe you should do the i mean just the way we're connected with the internet and stuff the my belief is get to know your rancher or farmer and um a lot of people are doing this direct to, to consumer sales like we do mm -hmm. and and the opportunity is out there to reach out to those folks it takes a little more effort but um, then you know and you can ask them questions and that's the only way you know what you're getting these days yeah it's scary out there I mean you know the stuff that's going through the local supermarket I mean I was doing some research and it was like most of 90% of the American beef is coming from four big guys, you know, the four big guys. And, um, I mean, the quality just isn't there. It, I mean, when I, sorry, George, but my husband, he used to eat cheap meat, you know, and I'm like, stop buying cheap meat. But then I would eat it and I'm like, this tastes like nothing. It tastes like shit. You know, like why even waste that money? Just spend a little bit more for something really delicious and healthy for you. So, um, there's also, you know, the conundrum of, well, can we feed everybody on this smaller ranch system? You know, can we feed people on a smaller farming system versus these big um, 
livestock companies. So do you have an opinion on that? I mean, yes. yeah, I'm sure you do, but <laughs> I totally do. I mean, you know, we're, we're considered a small ranch in Montana with 300 head and about 5,000 acres that we run on. Um, but I have one, one of my good friends is Cooper Hibbard of Seban Livestock. He, he, I don't know how many thousands of head of cows he has and how many thousand acres they run on, but they're doing regenerative practices at an unbelievable level. And we run um, a bunch of cows through his, or through, of his cows through our place here as well. And um, so the, the opportunity is there. I mean, we, we have it. It's, it's just the, the four big want to stay wealthy. And I mean, and you, you want to, and you can't fault them for it because they've, they've made a living and they're getting rich doing it. Right. But, um, I mean, the other, the other argument is it creates jobs, right? And it's like, what kind of quality job is it working at a livestock company like that? I mean, people are getting sick. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, and we need small. I mean, the bottleneck is the the packers, and that's what you're talking mm -hmm. about. Is the bottleneck of all, and the bottleneck for us is packers as well. And the JBS and Tyson and those folks, they've regulated um, things to where it makes it almost impossible for a new startup at a smaller scale. Uh, it just makes it economically non-feasible, and so. If we could get around that, that is the bottleneck. The animals are there, the land is there, the the regenerative producers are there. We just need to be able to get it through. The other thing is, is the consumer has to understand that um, $2.50 burger, they're paying for it one way or another, whether it's through their taxes because it's, um, it's paid for through um, subsidies or they're paying for it through their health because it's there's no nutrient density. It's it's just it's just not good stuff, and a lot of that comes from overseas. It's not even domestically raised um, animals, and um, if they think about it in that sense, where like you were talking about the nutrient density, and there's they're like Gabe Brown, um, who's who's a leader in this this world of regenerative agriculture, they're doing studies on um, nutrient density of their beef and that to really show, and the hope is is that they're gonna develop an app that can you can go around the supermarket and see the nutrient density and in the quality. And you, That would be you, sweet. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that would help people. I mean, I think it is confusing for people because there's, I mean, there's just a lot of choices out there, but the, you know, the term value comes out and it's like we've lost We've lost what that means in the sense of our food and our health and um, and what people are. I mean, people just want the cheapest product out there, and that's what we've been taught to to buy. So it's, it's again, changing that narrative and really getting to know where your food is coming from. I think my generation, I mean, I'm 36, and so I feel like my father's generation had a better touch on the land. He grew up in New Hampshire on a farm, um, so he had that sense. But then somewhere along the way, it just got there was a disconnect and we've all yeah. lost kind of that connection so it's important to to get back to the earth the soil and where things are coming from for many many reasons um nutrition being one of them for yourself but also like the health of the land i mean again mother nature knows what to do if we just let her do it we'll get out of her way get out of her way yeah. and you know the cattle industry it does get a bad rap um in that big climate discussion and everybody's trying to go vegan now and, you know, I'm a believer, like, again, everything in moderation. So I feel like, you know, people were definitely 
consuming way too much red meat for a long time and diets were affected by that. But have you been affected by this whole new craze of, you know, cows are bad and you should never eat, you know, like, I don't think all cows should go away. Again, I think just doing it right is the solution. So have you been any backlash on those kind of things? You know, it, it hasn't affected us at all that I'm aware of, you know, and, um, our very first Google review ever on was from a vegetarian and it was the ultimate review. I mean, we'll never mm-hmm. beat that because they gave us five star and talked about, they, they didn't eat our meat, but they bought it for their partner. And, and, um, and I know of two other vegetarians that have converted the, back to eating meat after knowing our practices and how we're doing things. And so, so if anything, I, I feel like we've had a, some positive strides in that. I just, I just don't, I just don't understand where people are really coming from. I mean, if you look at just the commodity feedlot beef world, totally. I mean, I mean, you, I don't know how anybody can argue that, but if you look at it the way regenerative agriculture people are doing things, I don't think you can argue that, um, that a vegetable is better than than beef because not too many vegetables are sinking carbon these days and farming practices it's it's more of a mining practice than it is than regenerative ranching Mm -hmm. unless they're incorporating animals the animals is the only way to get it back in the soil without mining it and then putting synthetics back in Mm -hmm. so so until that is conveyed it's not um the sacred cow a gal wrote that she coined this phrase, and I, I believe it. it's not the cow, it's the how mm-hmm. kind of a deal. So, For sure. So, I like that. Yeah. And then your website mentions you partner with local organizations to protect the land from urban development. And as we know, Missoula is developing. Um, so have you had any struggles in the last you know year and a half, two years with growth? I mean, you said that your land... Um, is on conservation land so you should be here for a good while are you at all worried about the future of the ranch with the growth of missoula no i mean we worked with five valleys land trust and they were just actually here before you um but they and what we did is we put um this part of our place in conservation easement and that what that means is this will not be developed in perpetuity so this will remain open space way beyond you and i and the other cool thing is our other big lease to the south is under Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation conservation easement. So that open space is going to be there as well. This big hill to the south right here is un- also under Five Valleys land conservation easement. But it's broken into 11 um, lots. And so there is a good chance we will lose the opportunity because we lease it as well. There is a chance we will lose the opportunity to graze it. And, that, and we're seeing... And that will affect us, just mm-hmm. shrink the size of, of our place, which we understand that. So um, actually we're sitting really good because of these partnerships with these conservation organizations. So Nice. And just to kind of bring it home, I mean, I said earlier when we started, I could talk about this for three days, but we're going to keep this um, kind of short and sweet and to the point. Um, but anything else you want people to know about? Oxbow Farm, local ranches, and how they can be supportive of, you know, again, people doing it right. Yeah, I guess, 
um, I had some, we had some college kids out and they asked like, how can we afford your beef? And, and, um, what I explained to them, this is how I did it is like, it's like you mentioned earlier, it's about being in the middle of the ground and, and that it's, it's like working out. Like if you wake up tomorrow and say, well, I want to go work out seven days a week, you're not going to be successful at it. Now, if you say, okay, I'm going to work out one or two days this week, it, it builds on itself. Um, the same is like changing the way you shop for groceries and, and proteins. Um, for example, with us, if, if you can fit in some Oxbow burger one or two times a week, um, then you, you start to see how that works and, and the benefits of it. And, and um, that is huge. I mean, we, we all truly vote with our barcode. And what I mean by that is what we, where we put our dollars, whether it's the food that we put in us or um, the textiles we buy, synthetics we buy, um, it matters where we put that money, more so than where we even go to the ballot, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So, Great, well, thanks so much. And um, you know, we are sitting out here on this beautiful ranch today. It's a gorgeous day here in Missoula, Montana. And we're actually outside of, um, you can hear the dogs barking, but we're actually outside of um, farm to market, or is that correct? We call it the F2M. It's F2M. the farm to market, yeah. So it's a it's a shed um, out here on the ranch, and it was one of the first things that like I did when I moved here, when I found out about Oxbow, and then I'm like, okay, I'm driving to the shed, and it's on an honor system, which just doesn't exist anymore in this world. People that you know let you come and purchase beef, and you know leave cash, do Venmo, write a check. Um, there's nobody there to check you in and check you out. I mean, it's just that trust, and I just think that that speaks volumes to again like what what humanity and what everybody needs is just like back to basics so thank you for for doing that and thank you for providing missoula and beyond with delicious beautiful beef and i'm going to take some home tonight and awesome. i'm so excited and um <laughs> yes if you're in missoula check out oxbow if you're not please reach out to your local farmers um you know if you're in boston that could be topsfield new hampshire um even up to Vermont. I mean, there is plenty of people out there doing doing wonderful things. So get to know your farmers, get to know your ranchers, and get to know your beef. Thanks so much. For more information about Charlie the Chicken Mushroom, check us out on Facebook and Instagram and our YouTube page, and go to charliethechickenmushroom.com for all your Charlie the Chicken Mushroom goods. And as always, let your freak flag fly.